This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Some more college football previews here on the Sports Better's Paradise YouTube channel. Paul Stone and Bruce Marshall, no. Nobody better to uh, break down these uh, smaller conferences than these guys. I mean, they know it uh, just as well as the major conferences as well. And, Bruce, uh, you tried to warn us a little uh, a preview ago. Change was on the way for college football realignment. But, my goodness, I mean, from Rutgers in Maryland to Oregon in Washington. So, here we go. Away they go uh, with the Big 20. All right, let's go to Conference USA. And uh, let's uh, – Let's start off with, um, you know, I looked at a prop. Western Kentucky is the favorite to win the league at plus 110, Liberty plus 270. The Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State plus 375, Louisiana Tech plus 750. And we go on UTEP 8-1, to New Mexico State 25-1, to FIU 60-1. to And how about this one? Most passing yards a prop. Um, Austin Reed is the considerable favorite. Uh, plus 150. We start with the Western K- Kentucky Hilltoppers. Back-to-back nine-to-five seasons. Reed considered the portal, but he is back. Put up all kinds of numbers, and that was following Bailey Zappi in the uh, in the coach uh, that uh, that moved on. But um, he's got his top running back, his top wide receiver, including a wide receiver, almost 1,300 yards in 13 TDs. Um, Paul, the Hilltoppers, uh, their win total is eight. Shade, shaded to the over, minus 150. Yeah, I tell you, the new look conference USA, a, a different looking conference this year. I utilize my own formula, first of all, to make uh, regular season win totals. And I'm usually nine times out of 10, pretty much right in line with the house. But that wasn't the case with Western Kentucky. I actually set the uh, Hilltoppers regular season win total at nine, heavily juiced to the over. Uh, first of all, Western Kentucky will be a road underdog, obviously, at uh, Ohio State and Troy on successive uh, Saturdays in September. I project the Hilltoppers getting 31 and a a half points uh, in Columbus and then six at Troy. Uh, I believe, though, they're going to be favored in their remaining 10 games uh, and by more than a touchdown in the majority of those. The Hilltoppers' offense is simply far superior uh, to most of its Conference USA competition. You mentioned the primary reason Austin Reed – uh, the uh, league's premier quarterback, hands down. And I would certainly take Austin Reed against the field in the prop that you uh, mentioned outside of injury. I-, I think that's almost a shoe-in. As you also, I believe, mentioned, most of their top rushers return. Malachi Corley, the receiver that you referenced, 101 catches for 1,293 yards and 11 touchdowns, the best co- uh, the best receiver in the conference. They got a nice number two option in Michael Matheson. He had 52 uh Catches for 615 yards one season ago. You know, again, I just think Western Kentucky, they got too much 
offensive firepower for the, the remainder of the league. I see this team winning nine or ten games. Just to kind of illustrate their offensive prowess, UCLA last year played South Alabama early in the year, as did Western Kentucky in the bowl game. UCLA had a good offense, power five offense, veteran quarterback Dorian Thompson, uh, Robinson, uh, the running back Charbonnet, on and on, Jake Bobo at receiver, really good offense. UCLA had 407 yards against uh, South Alabama. In the bowl game, Western Kentucky had 677 yards. So uh, that gives you an idea how good Western Kentucky is on offense. I like Western Kentucky to go over their win total at minus 150 there at Bet Rivers and also at plus 110 to win Conference USA because they're making the uh, the conference championship game. They're going to be the favorite. They're not going to be at plus money in that game. So I think plus 110 is a uh, good value there. There you go, Bruce. You uh, you you also are confident in the Hilltoppers this year. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Paul said. Um, a couple notes here. One, I mean, this team forced uh, about 32 turnovers last year. That's a you know Tyson Summers defense. So I mean, that's and, and that's not all random. I mean, he coaches that, and uh, they they coach to steal the ball. So good for them. They've got some re- reloading to do on defense, and he lost some guys on staff. What I like. What Western Kentucky's got going here is Tyson Helton, the uh, head coach, Clay's brother. Um, he's a Jimmy Sexton guy, okay? Jimmy apparently likes him very much. And he's sort of following the Billy Napier mold. Uh, take your time, move to the right spot. He's, there's a couple of coaches we'll talk about today like that. But Helton is on his way up, and he's just not going to leave here for any job. Like Paul said, he's going to keep winning, at least the short term here. He's got a very progressive offense. He's going to get a big job sooner or later. It might be as soon as next year because they're going to put up some big numbers this year. And uh, I'm very interested to see if they can uh, they can do what they did last year, which was good. And nine wins each of the last two seasons, including that bowl win last year. Good team, good coach, good quarterback. Uh, I like him. Hilltoppers, one of the greatest looking mascots as well. That big bread blob. <laughs> anyway, the uh, let's you talk about a coach that uh, you know, maybe could have um, scored a little higher. But Jamie Chadwell over at Coastal Carolina, he takes over Liberty now, and I may have uh, put him at a little bit high. You know, they, he got so much attention during that uh, the COVID year. I mean, the BYU Coastal game was, I mean, one of the games of the year. Um, and uh, but Hugh Freeze is gone. Uh, Chadwell comes over from Coastal to take over, and um, the uh, I think the Freeze rumors kind of distracted the team after their big win in Fayetteville because they just weren't the same uh, after that. So I'm not sure how you uh, you, you evaluate that. But Liberty uh, and um, and uh, looking at them uh, first, Paul, you're talking about uh, Liberty Flames. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, the, the, the move from Coastal Carolina where he did a great turnaround job, uh, Jamie Chadwell. You know, it seems like kind of a parallel move going to Liberty, but uh, I'm sure he's got his reasons and knows the, uh, the coaching landscape. But, uh, you know, this is a league, again, in massive transition, and one could uh, say the same about this Liberty uh, football team. As is the case with a lot of teams in a coaching transition, they had tons of movement uh, through the portal. Um, you know, a lot of players coming and going, so they're going to have a, uh, a a unique situation there. You know, I have them power rated. This is a nine-team league. Western Kentucky, again, head and shoulders above the other eight teams, in my opinion. But I have Liberty power ranked as the second highest team in the league 
uh, seven and a half points uh, behind Western Kentucky. You know, again, in today's age of the, the transfer portal, looks like they lost 36 lettermen, not all through the portal, some of them through uh, expiration of eligibility, but still a lot of turnover. But the league is, you know, it's still relatively weak, and uh, I think it's a league they can make some noise in, especially if they get somebody to step forward at quarterback, uh, Jonathan Bennett and uh, Caden Salter, who started his career at Tennessee, the primary uh, contenders there for that quarterback job. So it'll be interesting to see what Liberty does uh, moving from independent status to Conference USA. Uh, Bruce, Liberty actually, a uh, their win total is a one over Western Kentucky. It's nine, and probably the, the difference there is they don't have Ohio State on the on the, on the the schedule uh, like Western Kentucky does. But the Liberty, uh, nine, and it's shaded to the under at minus 125, Bruce. Yeah, they, they trade uh, Ohio State for UMass, so just figure that out. Uh, that uh, is a break for Liberty in the schedule. Here, here's, here's what's going on there, though, okay? Um, they are, are paying Chadwell north of $4 million a year. Uh, they had Hugh Freeze. They're going to redo his deal. He was going to get paid over $5 million per year. This is big money, uh, a lot more than what Coastal was paying uh, Chadwell. And this is a program that a lot of people think could be a BYU-like program um, with the, the faith-based uh, 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 following and in the mid-Atlantic, they could turn into a BYU-type thing. There's plenty of money there, and I totally understand why why Chadwell did this. This is another chance, first of all, to get paid well, and to win the next couple of years, it's a little better chance here, I think, than at Coastal, which is in a, in a tougher league right now in, in, in the Sun Belt. And um, there is a lot of load, reloading to do here. That's why, despite this schedule, and it's also, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Florida International they're playing, and, uh, and and not a very tough non-conference schedule for them, uh, Buffalo. Uh, but nine is a pretty aggressive win total with all this, new, all these new starters on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and and a lot on Bennett to see if he can run that offense for Chadwell with a lot of the option elements that McCall ran so well for him at Coastal Carolina. Those are questions for me and why I'm not that bullish on, on Liberty clearing that number. But overall, this program financially is, is the strongest uh, in this league for sure. And Liberty does travel to uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky to take on the Hilltoppers, so they have to go on the road in that one. Middle Tennessee State coach it, uh, has – St- uh, stayed put exactly where he is. Rick Stocksdale, eight and five last year in his 18th season, uh, up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Tough opener at Bama, and they follow that up at uh, at Missouri. Their win total is six and a half. Paul. Yeah, you know they lose. First of all, they lose their two-year starting quarterback Chase Cunningham. Uh, they also lose their top three receivers. One of those being Jalen Lane who had 69 catches for 940 yards and five touchdowns last year. Uh, he goes to Virginia Tech, and then they lose, you know, maybe arguably their top defensive player in history, a defensive end hybrid type, uh, Jordan Ferguson. All he did there in Murfreesboro was finish with 212 career tackles, 44 and a half tackles for loss and 20 sacks. So that's a lot of production out the door a real disruptor uh, there on the defensive side of the ball. And then additionally, they lose their uh, multi-year starting quarterback or cornerback, rather, DeCorian Patterson. He had 12 passes broken up last year, had seven interceptions. So he ranked among the nation's leaders uh, in uh, interceptions last year. Additionally, they won eight games last year, uh, but they were plus 12 in the uh, turnover differential category 
plus two and net close wins. Again, games decided by seven points or fewer. Those things tend to regress to the mean. And to take their turnover differential uh, a step further, dating back to 2021, the last two seasons, they're plus 23. Of course, Chase Cunningham was the quarterback both of these seasons. He's no longer there. They were plus 23 in the turnover category collectively in 21 and 22. So I just see some reasons uh, for some regression. Uh, not a strong opinion here. I would kind of lean to the under six and a half, but kind of a, a, a no play. But uh, I think Middle Tennessee, I think their performance falls off just a little bit this year in 2023. Bruce, you don't have a strong opinion on the Blue Raiders, but uh, some thoughts on their season yeah. this year. Yeah, Paul's right. I mean, six, seven wins. I mean, this is where they've been consistently landing for Rick Stock still long ago when Bobby Bowden's first great Florida State teams, he was the quarterback there. Now, Cunningham had been at quarterback the last couple of years for them, so Vitato comes in. Now, he played in the Bahamas Bowl and I think was the MVP of that two years ago when they won in the Bahamas Bowl. Um, but it, I, I'm a little worried right at the start of the season. They could really take some lumps off out, out of the shoot at Alabama, at Missouri. They did win at Miami last year, and I think that sort of started the Hurricanes on their downward arc. But Stock still six, seven wins is right where he's going to probably land. That's where he's a good bet to land every year. Uh, but anything more than that is tough, and that's why I'm sort of cool on the number. I'm not sure over or under with the Blue Raiders. I um, That's a concern, though, when you start off uh, the season at Bama and at Missouri. I'd rather take those right of wins sort of before rivalry week when yep. it's 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 basically let's just let's put the clock on running clock. Um, both teams want to get out of there at that point. They're a little bit hungrier early in the season, looking to get out there. And man, you play two SEC teams like that, and you get banged up, and that yep. could really really affect your season and yep. uh, and hurt your depth moving on. So big big uh, caution flag uh, for the Blue Raiders how that may affect their season moving forward after those two tough road games. Let's move on to Ruston, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. The Texters three and nine in Sonny Cumbie's first year up there. Uh, this this year will be better. Um, they have a veteran offensive line with some playmakers at skill position. Uh, their win total, Paul, is at six and a half. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of a broken record, but like a lot of group of five schools, they did lose some players in the portal. And also like a lot of group of five schools, it wasn't just any players, it was their best players. I mean, they lose probably their top offensive playmaker. They lose first-team conference USA receiver Trey Harris. He had 65 catches last year, almost 1,000 yards, 935 yards in 2022. They also lose their first-team Conference USA defensive tackle, Kiwi Rose. Uh, he goes to Fayetteville where he'll play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And then uh, also on defense, they lose two-time uh, second-team All-Conference USA linebacker, Tyler Grubbs. He's had 191 tackles the past two seasons combined. Uh, he goes to Tulane. They did pick up some players through the portal as well, as you would expect. Uh, the most notable probably Boise State quarterback, former Boise State quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, uh, who threw for almost 3,100 yards back in 2021. But the Bulldogs were net losers in the portal. Um, Sonny Cumbie's second year. Uh, going to be interesting to see what they can do uh, after going 3-9 and nine last year. I think it will be better. I don't know if they're going to get to 6.5. No real strong opinion here, but certainly – uh, there'll be an interesting watch there in Ruston this year. Bruce Paul brings up a, a, a name that rings a bell because he was a guy who constantly – is he in or out, in or out? He was uh, important to see his availability when handicapping Boise State the past few years. 
Yeah, it was, although it, I thought his career sort of plateaued there, and he never quite advanced it to the next level. And then last year, of course, he had that, you know, he ended up losing his job, and he left uh, after the first month of the season. So it wasn't a good situation when he left there. But he never quite hit that level. Yeah, he, he was good, and Paul said mentioned 3,100 yards a couple of years ago. But I, th I thought he sort of plateaued there. So maybe coming into where it's going to be a true air raid sort of offense, that's what Sonny Cumbie wants to do. Uh, maybe that's going to help him out. I still maintain, though, shame on LaTeX. They should not have moved Skip Holtz out. I mean, one year that slipped down, he had them consistently very competitive. They were one of my... The point spread mark, especially as an underdog, was very good. I mean, I was I was a La Tech guy for several years there. And then they made that change, and Cumbie came in. Uh, Cumbie had been around for a while here, and we thought he was going to get his shot, and he did it in, as an interim at, um, at Texas Tech uh, two years ago. But that was a little bit of a, of a problem last year. And we'll see how they do in the portal. The defense, this is the, one of the worst rush defenses in the country last year, 11 portal ads coming in on the defensive side. So that's where they've got to up, I think, get a lot better. I mean, rank 130th against the run, that's no good. People are going to run on these guys until they prove they can stop. Maybe Balkmeyer helps them trade points better offensively. But um, I'm still mad at LaTeX for getting rid of uh, Skip Holt, so they'll be a little better, but I'm not sure how much. All right, uh, let's move on. Paul, this is a team uh, that you're looking at. UTEP last year, 6-7. And, seven, and uh, boy, a tough tough one where they led uh, Texas San Antonio 24 nothing before losing 31-24. to Dana Dimmel uh, in El Paso, he has a good offensive line. <coughs> Excuse me, good offensive line, a third-year starter at quarterback, and they do get Western Kentucky and Liberty, the top two teams projected in Conference USA. At home in El Paso, their win total is at five and a half, Paul. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's quite obvious, and we talk about this uh, most weeks, but a deliberate examination of a team's schedule, you know, who they play and where they play them, uh, is perhaps the most important single element when you're handicapping these regular season win totals. And uh, UTEP will likely be an underdog at Northwestern unless everybody leaves. Uh, they're also going to be a road underdog at Arizona and Middle Tennessee. Plus, as you mentioned, they're going to be getting points at home against uh, league favorite Western Kentucky. The Miners, they may be getting small points at home against Liberty. Right now, I would have that game rated as a virtual toss-up. So that could be, uh, you, you know, go either way once we get to, to game week in that one. But I see UTEP almost certain to be favored in seven games. They might even be favored in eight games. So I'm really attracted to this uh, total wins, uh, regular season win total of five and a half. Gavin Hardison, their quarterback, you know, his numbers are not going to knock you off your feet, but he's a steady hand, played a lot of football. He's got the experience of 29 collegiate starts. So he's a, he's a veteran. Also has a veteran tailback in Deion Hankins, who has almost 1,800 career rushing yards there in El Paso, has a returning 1,000-yard receiver in Tyron Smith, so he has a weapon on the outside and has perhaps the conference's best offensive line uh, with four returning starters and a collective 122 career starts. They return on defense, all-conference caliber players at all three levels of the defense, so I think they're going to be able to hold serve at least on defense. You know, six wins to me looks like the floor uh, for this UTEP team. So I'm going to take over uh, five and a half at minus 118 there at Bet Rivers on UTEP. Bruce? 
Yeah, I, uh, I kind of like this too. I knew Paul liked UTEP, so I was going to let him make the big case for the miners, but I, I could see that as well. Uh, keep in mind a couple things about Dana Dimmel here. First of all, this is one of the handful of coaches who was a head coach in the previous millennium. Uh, he was at Wyoming, if you remember, back in the 90s, and he was sort of an up-and-comer. Then he went to Houston, and it didn't Houston, work out yeah. too well there. And he went back to Kansas State, where get on Bill Snyder's staff, and he sort of rehabilitated himself. What he's done here the last couple of years at UTEP, and I'm hearing he's actually under a little bit of pressure there, which surprises me a bit. Historically with UTEP, what they've done over the last 35 or so years, and this could go back even further, occasionally they'll have, it builds up to like one decent year. Uh, Bob Stull had a bowl team there. Mike Price briefly got them back rolling. Uh, Sean Kugler got them to a bowl, but then they, they drop off kind of quickly. And I thought it was important last year. They sort of maintained where they were two years ago, and had they beaten U, uh, UTSA in that last game, they do get bowl eligible last year. So they were very, very close. Hardison, though, I, we need to see him be able to throw down the field a little bit better. Having Tyron Smith boomerang out of the portal, he had left originally for Texas A&M in January, and he came back. He boomeranged back, and he came as a late spring portal add back uh, to El Paso. So uh, that, that should be plus, and he's got uh, a couple of years now working with Hardison, who's a multi-year starting quarterback. So I like Demel. I think Paul Stone is right. I think they're probably going to get over five and a half and probably back to a bowl, and I darn hope that they uh, keep him there. You know, you talk about that the schedule, too. We talked a second ago about Middle Tennessee opening up tough. Um, uh, Jacksonville State which is new to this league, and Incarnate Word off the bat for UTEP. Good chance to break 2-0 and there, and that could set them up nicely for the rest of the season. All right. Uh, boy, we get to our next team here. And, uh, boy, how, how good is Jerry Kill? I mean, just, just simply put, I mean, what was their win total last year when they went 6-6 six and six and then finished it off with a bowl, a bowl win after an 0-4 start, including in, uh, half of their six losses for Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Missouri? I mean, this was a, a heck of a job. Took over a five and twenty-two program and goes seven and six after that zero and four start. Talked about where you place that rental win. He's got them second to last right before rivalry week when they go to Auburn. So, <clears throat> you know, not it'll only affect one of the games. So we will start with you, Paul. But uh, the win total is uh, elevated considerably from last year at six this year. Shaded to the under at minus one forty-three at Bet Rivers. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Jerry Kill. I mean, just an outstanding season last year in Las Cruces. They go six and six in the regular season, make the bowl game, beat Bowling Green 24 19 in the Quick Lane Bowl there around Christmas. So end up with seven wins on the season. The concern I have here is the defense because it was so good last year. You look at the last three full seasons that they've played, so not counting the pandemic season of 2020 when I think they only played two games. But in 2018 through 2021, the three full seasons, they allowed at least 40 points a game on average in all in three all three of those full seasons. So last year, they have a senior-laden defense of a lot of experience and they really had a banner season, only allowed 23.9 points per game on the season, so improved by, you know, 15 to 20 points there on points per game. And they also only gave up an average of 336 yards a game to rank 30th nationally in total defense. This year's uh, Aggie defense, I think they're going to at least return somewhat uh, to their historic norms closer to what they've been historically. They only returned one of their top six tacklers from one season ago. 
They also have to replace their entire linebacking core. The three projected starters at linebacker only have one start career between them. So I see some drop-off here on defense. going to be interesting to see what uh, Jerry Kill is going to do there. Regular season win total of six looks about right in this league because uh, there are going to be a lot of games, you know, that could go either way. No strong opinion, but I think their defense is going to be a little bit down this year. Bruce, uh, this is one of your top three picks. Uh, you looking for New Mexico State to go over that uh, total at a plus price? Yeah, and it's mainly because of Jerry Killen. And Paul's right. I mean, the defense has to do some reloading here. Now, they were very active in the portal, and they brought guys in from Penn State, Wyoming, and other places like that who they think they can plug in and not drop off too much. So I'm banking on that, but I'm banking a lot on Kill himself. You know, he's been a winner throughout his career. He won pretty well at Northern Illinois. He did he did well at Minnesota. He had some health issues. I was thrilled to see him back on the sideline last year because he had some issues that were rather serious health-wise earlier in his career. So he came back. But what I really loved about this team, and you mentioned it at the outset, Jimmy, last year they started 0-4, but this team certainly didn't quit. There's a lot of esprit de corps on this team, and we saw that in the bowl game, how fired up they were to go up to Detroit to play a bowl game. I mean, they looked a lot more ready at the outset than Bowling Green did in that game. And Bowling Green made a move on them late, but New Mexico State came out ready to play, and that is totally credit to Jerry Kill, how down this program was for years. His presence means an awful lot. Also last year, things started to turn around for them when Diego Pavia came in at quarterback. He is a really good deal threat, dual threat, and gave them some real balance on that offense. He can run, and he can throw, and he gave them some consistent leadership, which they were really lacking for several years there at New Mexico State. So I, I, I'm very bullish on kill, and I think this is a sort of veteran coaching hire, and we'll get to some others later today who maybe aren't working out well, but this guy right now, I don't think he's going to leave there. Las Cruces isn't that bad of a place, really. He's going to stay for a couple of years there, and he's going to solidify this. The schedule is not that tough. You said that Renouin comes at the end of the year uh, with Auburn. They could start off pretty quick. UMass and Western Illinois right off the bat 2-0. and and the way they close last year, and the way they, they played against these sorts of teams in uh, conference, th- this level of team in Conference USA, now they're in this league. They played some of these teams last year, and they're actually excited to be in a the league. They were looking for one uh, for the last couple of years, and they're playing as an independent um, uh, after the WAC uh, unraveled. So I think Kill is the reason why I think they can get over six and a half and uh, handle this transition into a very uh, uh, modest league, one that uh, New Mexico State can handle. Win total at six plus 112, and you talked about it, Bruce. You mentioned instead of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri, you've got Auburn, UMass, and Western Illinois. So not not nearly uh, <clears throat> exactly uh, SEC and Big Ten uh, resources and budget uh, there. Let's move on to Jacksonville State. Rich Rodriguez, 9-2 and two in his first year, but ineligible for the FCS playoffs to return. Nine on offense, seven on defense, a lot coming back. Uh, but they are waiting on the eligibility of Zion Webb. Are we still waiting on that, guys, uh, Paul? Uh, no. Uh, they granted the NCAA okay. granted him a seventh year of, of eligibility okay, so. back in mid June, so they do have Zion Webb, uh, a guy who's uh, passed for over forty one hundred yards in his career, uh, rushed for another fifteen hundred. So he's a he's a dual threat guy, but they do have him approved. He got the, the play got the Frankie Harris grant, right? I mean, uh, the seventh year, huh? He did. He'll be he'll be eligible for Social Security, I think, three years after uh, his season, <laughs> his senior season's played. The new age of college football. Win, to- 
Win totals at five. Uh, Paul, some thoughts on Jacksonville State, Rich Rodriguez. You know, first of all, you, you mentioned that they got great news in mid-June when the NCAA did grant Zion Webb the, the seventh year of eligibility. And uh, as you mentioned, also former West Virginia, Michigan, uh, and Arizona head coach Rich Rodriguez uh, now in his second year at Jacksonville State. One thing to, to make clear about Jacksonville State, it's in the state of Alabama, not in the state of Florida. Uh, a lot of people, it, it, you kind of naturally think maybe it's in Florida if you're not familiar with the lay of the land. So that, that won't help anybody from a handicapping perspective, but perhaps it'll be a Jeopardy question or something of that nature. Um, you know, the Gamecocks uh, probably remembered uh, by some listeners for their stunning week two victory at Florida State uh, back in 2021, beat the Seminoles. 20 to 17 that year as a 26 and a half point underdog. Like Sam Houston last year, the Gamecocks only played one FBS opponent. They lost that game at Tulsa 54 to 17. This year, they go from one FBS opponent to 11 FBS opponents. So they're certainly taking, uh, even in this conference, a step up in class. No real opinion here at the total of uh, five, but always interesting to see how these. FCS programs make the adjustment to their first season of FBS play. Uh, Bruce, how do you think Rich Rod is uh, in Jacksonville State is going to make that transition? I was tempted to look over here, but Paul mentioned that Tulsa game last year, and that worried me a bit because it wasn't just a loss. It was a big loss, 54-17. to 17. So that concerned me somewhat. But uh, the question I pose is, how would college football have been different? Think about this. If Tulane would have just hired Rich Rod to take uh, – uh, you know, uh, uh, Tommy Bowden's place instead of Chris Selfo. All the stuff that's happened with Rich Rod, he's impacted several programs since, West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona. Alabama. Alabama, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things wouldn't have happened in college football had Tulane just made the hire they should have made uh, when they should have promoted him from uh, Tommy Bowden's staff after that unbeaten year. None, nonetheless, uh, yeah, getting Webb there was very important for them. Um I, you know, this team did win nine games last year, so I think they've got a fighting chance, and I think in this situation, Rich Rod's a, a perfect sort of fit for them. Jacksonville State, the home school of Talladega Motor Speedway, by the way, so if you're in that part of Alabama, that's your team. Bill Clark coached here before he went to UAB, by the way, so they've got some history there, too. So I think they've got a fighting chance. They could get up to 500 or so. They don't have a bowl game this year because they are ineligible, and we'll talk more about that when we get into the uh, Sun Belt later on, too, with a couple of the teams there, including one, James Madison. But uh, they won't be a pushover this year, but you know, getting to, getting to 500, I'm not so sure, so I'm kind of a pass on the Gamecocks. The morning of the press conference uh, to announce a new Tulane coach, Rich Rod, brought his – Green Blazer for the press conference and was uh, was informed that they were going to go in a different direction the morning of. They were a little bit too butthurt of um, of Tom Beck because actually Tulane matched Clemson's offer, but he they were you know didn't want any more part of uh, Tommy Bowden's uh, staff. So there you go with that that one. Let's move on to the last two teams in Conference USA. You guys both have an opinion, one a piece here, and we'll start with yours. Uh, uh, Start with yours, Bruce, in reverse order here as we've been going. But Sam Houston State's win total is at four. So their head coach, Casey Keeler, uh, he's won 259 games uh, in his career. So uh, he had at Delaware and now at Sam Houston State. 29-year career jump up to now to the FBS. Uh, will they get banged up? They open up at BYU, Air Force, and Houston. 
that's a tough recipe to start when you're transitioning from the uh, the uh, F- FCS to the FBS. Sam Houston uh, at Bet Rivers. Bruce, their win total is at four, shaded to the under at minus 125. That, that was totally why I was looking at Sam Houston to go uh, under here, uh, only because I think they're coming out 0-3 out of that start, BYU, Air Force, and Houston. And uh, to get over this win total, they're going to have to go over 500 the rest of the way, which they might be able to do. I think the record, but I, that start of the season, you, you know, you can get a little bit banged up there too. I think that's just the wrong foot to get off and they move into the new league. I, I don't think they're going to be a pushover at all. I mean, Keeler's won a lot of games there. I mean, a couple of years ago in the spring season, they were the FCS champion. And he did a lot of interesting things last year in preparation for this transition into uh, FBS and Conference USA. Redshirted a lot of guys last year who normally would have been playing for them, but they wanted to be bulked up a little bit more for this move up the ladder. So I'm tending to dismiss somewhat that record last year because they've had some success. And like we said, Keeler has won uh, a lot in the past. Shoemaker turned into a decent quarterback. He forced... Uh, Jordan Yates who came over from uh, Georgia Tech to switch positions because Shoemaker uh, played well enough last year. So I don't think they're going to be helpless. And like I said, uh, a lot of the guys they redshirted last year figured to play and will play this year. So that record last year was very, very deceiving. It's just I don't like the way the schedule breaks. And I, I could see them. And then, you know, Rich Rod, they've got to play Liberty and New Mexico State, which was a bowl team last year. And this team could open up 0-6. And I think that's going to put them in too much of a hole. But they're not going to be a pushover. And I, and I would sort of dismiss that bad record last year. They'll be better than that. They have a recent history of success prior to that in the FCS level. They'll be okay. I just don't know if they can get to five wins and get over. I think that schedule at the start of the season is really, really tough for them. I, I wonder a guy that's won so many games and he realized how football is a physical sport. It can take its toll when you play up in class like yep. that. It just that, that's that. I wonder how much input he had on that schedule. Uh, so any thoughts, um, uh, Paul, on Sam Houston State? Yeah, I mean, you guys touched on it, but just really, first of all, you know, I'll start off. They've had success, big-time success, obviously, at the FCS level, uh, advanced to the national title game back in 2017, uh, and then they won it in the spring of 2021, which was basically the the replacement for the fall season of 2020. So won the national championship at the FCS level as recently as the 2020 season in spring of 2021. They actually played 22 football games, as y'all remember, in calendar year 2021 because on the heels of that national championship season, they came back and played a, a fall season, went 21-1 and one, uh, in calendar year uh 2021. So that shows you uh, what they did at the FCS level. Really interesting what the coach did here. He was concerned about losing players, one, through the portal, and, uh, you know, talked to the guys individually. They redshirted approximately 20 players last year, and they were mostly their very best players, but it wasn't like they didn't play at all. Most of them played the maximum four games that you can play, uh, you know, to maintain your redshirt. So they did get some experience. Went five and four. We all agree that we should discard that. But this is really going to be interesting. I mean, uh, with just all the different little dynamics working here, the the fact they redshirted so many of their best players last year, uh, the fact that they didn't have a great record last year, didn't have much offense last year. How much was that 
uh, a result of the the red shirting of the players and so forth. But no big opinion at the the regular season win total of four. And primarily, as Bruce pointed out, it's just a rugged uh, rugged schedule to open the season, and they could get behind the the eight ball awfully awfully early in the season uh, in twenty twenty three. All right, Paul, let's look at your last pick. It's the last team, the lowest uh, win total in Conference USA this year, Florida International, 4-8 and eight last year under first-year coach Mike McIntyre. That's former national coach of the year, Mike McIntyre, when he got the Colorado Buffaloes uh, uh, to the Pac-12 uh, championship game. Offensive line has to be rebuilt. They do return eight of their non-top tacklers, but uh, again, three and a half is the lowest win total in this league. Paul, you have an opinion on this when that's one of your picks. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say uh, sound again like a broken record, but just like a lot of these group of five schools, especially second division group of five schools, they lost a half a dozen or so of their very best players in the program. They did win four games last year, which I thought was a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, but they just they're they're bleeding players. They lost their top receiver, Tyrese Chambers. The last couple of years, he's had 96 catches, 618 yards, and 13 touchdowns. He goes to Maryland. They've got a highly regarded tight end who's going to be really interesting to watch, Rivaldo uh, uh, Fairweather. He goes to Auburn. So two of their best skilled people at the receiver positions. They also lost three starting offensive linemen through the portal. Uh, they lo- have losses on defense. They lose their leading tackler, uh, Gaithan Bernadel. He goes to uh, Stanford. He had 103 tackles last year. So he's their best linebacker. You know, they do play in week two. They host FCS Maine. But looking at their schedule and projecting the point spreads in their other 11 games, I don't see them, and I think there's a good chance they won't be favored in any of their other 11 games. So that means even if they beat Maine, which they should for one win, they've got to pull three net upsets if they're not favored in any of their other 11 games to go over three and a half. So I just think it's going to be Mike McIntyre, a great head coach, their offensive coordinator, David Yost. Uh, I don't know if you all remember him, but he was at Missouri, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, long, bleach blonde hair. He was a highly regarded offensive coordinator, Uh, spent some time at Texas Tech under uh, Wells as their offensive coordinator. So they've got some good coaches. I just don't think they have enough players. Uh, Florida International under uh, the three and a half there at minus 106 at Bet Rivers. Well, Bruce, anything you want to add on to uh, Paul's Florida International pick? Yeah, I, I would amplify, though, that, that four wins was quite an accomplishment last year. I mean, I saw highlights of this game against Western Kentucky. They lost 73 to nothing uh, last year. By the way, my grandson saw that score, and he became a Western Kentucky fan. He wanted to know every week how Western Kentucky is going to do. <laughs> but uh, four wins wasn't that bad last year. And But just remember this about McIntyre, though. I mean, he got San Jose up and competitive pretty quickly. And he did the same thing at Colorado. It took an extra year there, but he he's good and just you know the fact he got san jose where he did so quickly and actually won some in colorado and didn't hand off a bad team to mel tucker a few years ago um i respect him enough to at least back off a little bit i won't disagree with paul here because he makes some good points and they will probably be an underdog in all games except maine at least looking at it right now um and he needs some of these portal ads to come in here because he did lose Chambers was a tough ad in the portal, tough loss in the portal, uh, the wide receiver. But McIntyre's good, so just be careful with him a little bit. He's very shrewd. Bruce, and, and no doubt he's going to have the Larry Brown of college, uh, you know, college football, but, you know, he takes on the tough jobs. But how, how much do we discount that that San Jose State uh, Conference Championship is during a COVID year? Do we? 
No, he was before that. No, he no, he was oh, okay. back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he okay. was back. That's Brent Brennan there. So okay, we're talking bad. like 2010, 2011. So and he he got into a bowl game back then. So um, that's always a good accomplishment at San Jose. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, so that does it for Conference USA for Bruce Marshall of CBS Sports Line and VegasInsider.com. Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports. I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel on the Bet Rivers Network.